0: Welcome to the Living Social Justice podcast, an initiative of Common Ground Church and Common Good, where we explore our lifestyle response to topics of social justice. Our hope is that a growing number of Christ followers begin to individually and collectively live out justice, creating a groundswell of positive change in our society.
1: Welcome to our podcast channel. I'm Sharon Kloppers from the Common Good team. I'll be hosting this episode today. And this is part of a Living Social Justice Stories series where we're trying to interview congregants from across the city and hear how people have engaged with social justice issues in an individual way. So Richard Bolland, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for giving up your time. Thank you for having me. Um, So Richard Bolland is not new to the Common Ground story and um, many of you would know him and what he's been involved in. Uh, We've had a number of conversations over the last year, specifically around homelessness. And so I asked Richard just to join us here this morning and tell a bit more of his story, both personally, but also as part of mobilizing community and... um, Certainly your story for me has been inspirational in seeing a groundswell of momentum as people have recognized what you've recognized and decided to respond. So maybe just to get us started, Richard, just tell us a bit more about yourself, where you grew up, how you got to Cape Town, yeah, who you are.
0: Well, I've never left Cape Town. Uh, it's, I was born and bred and buttered here, as, as they <laughs> say. Um, I, yeah, I grew up mainly in Deep River. Um, which is a suburb um, in the southern suburbs of Cape Town and I lived there for 18 years was you know not really involved in any type of social justice as a youth my parents weren't social justice warriors or anything like that it was it was kind of just a slow gradual progression into into social justice I guess as as I read the bible more as I listened to voices in our city. It it, it slowly kind of got me hooked. Um, And it became a reality to me that actually I've lived quite a sheltered and privileged life. And what can I do now to to fight that, you know, to to topple that?
1: So when would you say you first noticed the issue of homelessness? What did that look like for you as an initial um, moment or trigger for you?
0: I think homelessness is so around us all the time um so it wasn't really about noticing homelessness per se it was more issue. about noticing that actually i wasn't doing anything about it that mm. was that was the trigger um i mean i remember as a kid driving to school in my my dad's car and we would see homeless people coming to the window all the time Um you would see them sleeping see- on the side of the streets and it didn't really bother me because it was a part of life you know it, it was just one of those things that i thought in every city, in every, like everywhere in the world, there must be homelessness. And, and it was only towards my adult life where I realized that actually this is a, this is a man-made thing. This is, mm. you know, people aren't supposed to be homeless. Um, and realized that actually this is an injustice that needs to, uh, you know, be made right.
1: But I think that's what we're seeing so often is we growing up with so much that's just the norm for us that we don't actually realize what is an injustice and so something has to open our eyes we have to in some way be exposed to the reality that this is not how things ought to be what was that moment for you
0: yeah it wasn't a A moment yeah a Mm. coin drop moment Mm. i think it was a gradual progression it's very similar to my faith story Mm. like i I didn't have a i don't have like a day i was saved it was just a gradual progression into the truth and it was the same for for this. Uh, I remember my old church, um, St Martin's. Um, there were a couple of people that would go um, and volunteer at a shelter, um, and I did that for a while. I went to Lesotho on a mission trip with that same church in two thousand and six. Um, then it, I think I think if there was a coin drop moment, it would probably be uh, my friend Pete Portal who. Um, I met at Common Ground. He was uh, he's a, from the UK. He came down to be a, essentially a missionary um, in Mannenberg, which is uh, you know, as many people know, a very violent and gang gang orientated community. community yeah. And he um, he kind of opened my eyes up to someone actually doing something tangible and something wow. that that was you know he given his life to it, and he he lived out that social justice as mm. as you know as you see common good tagline living social yes, justice living he social was justice, yeah. my example of someone living social justice and so that's why it got me uh, thinking and and recognizing that actually these people on the street are, are humans just like me and and i need to do something
1: so, so help help me unpack what that looks like so now you realize that there's something that is not right and as a christ follower you should in some way engage so what what did that look like how did you actually figure out what am i going to do about this as an individual
0: i think what helps a lot is is well firstly i i didn't know how i was clear this uh i had been to that night shelter a few times with that old church and i didn't know if i could go back was i allowed to go back um mm-hmm. um i it was it was actually a moment where my friend Jake and myself were hanging out in the morning and he went um he was driving home and saw a woman on the side of the road just with her head in her hands just kind of weeping and down and out and he heard God say to him stop the car and I want you to go speak to her and so he kind of listened to that small voice, and, uh, you know, a sense of obedience kind of went and, and, and spoke to her. Um, and it, it's, it's a, quite a funny story. What perspired next was, um, transpired next, I don't think perspire <laughs> is the right <laughs> word there, but what transpired next was that um, he said, can I buy you some food? And they walked into the 7-Eleven um, in Kenilworth. And he kind of went to the bakery section to go get a pie or something like that. She went off to the alcohol Alcohol section section. (laughs) to get a a couple of liters of crackling. And kind of they met at the checkout. um, And Jake panicked. He he's in the what do I do now? He's like he kind of was Mm -hmm. like, um, and he ended up just buying her this a pie and a coke and like ten liters of crackling, Um, which 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 obviously wasn't a necessarily a wise move but it was a move which which triggered trust and mm. it's a move which uh, allowed him the opportunity to invite her to church the next day because wow. um, it was a Saturday and so he phoned me up after that and said um, yeah I need, I need a hand like tomorrow I, I, I invited a, a I think she's a, a prostitute um, she looks homeless as well like um, she said she lives on the streets let's uh, I'm picking her up tomorrow for church, and I said, "Cool, I'll, I'll come with you." And we we he picked me up, and we went to go pick her up, and she wasn't there. We couldn't wow. find her anywhere. Um, we saw some people kind of hanging around, and we asked them, "Do you know Wendy? Do you, mm. Do you know her? Is she?" Um, she said she's keen to come to church, and they're all went, "Yo, are you here to pick up Wendy for church? We we, we all want to go. We we here. Wow. We said we must be here, and you'll pick us up." And there were about six guys. That then we all crammed into the car, like all eight of us, and went through to church in the morning. Um, and it was such a, a different experience, something that you know um, was very was very awesome. It was it was pleasant. There was nothing like there was nothing uncomfortable about it. It um, besides with the space in the car. But, um, <laughs> And we we had a great church service and we said to ourselves, why don't we do this again next week? Um, And that was was what started it.
1: So I love that story. I think it shows how often we want to get involved, but we want to get involved in a very kind of predictable, pre-planned, structured initiative that has a designed program and tell me where to be at what time and I'll volunteer my time and it's all neatly packaged. But actually these kind of God whispers get us to, move in spaces that are messy and unpredictable and we don't know exactly what to do in those moments and maybe we make some mistakes um and yet god is somehow in that and and the story progresses i love that so so what happened then i know you got involved in kind of a street ministry tell us a bit about that
0: yeah um the sunday services were going well we started to really um make connection and, fr- and friendship with these guys uh, from Kenilworth and we decided I was living in Kenilworth at the time and we decided hey wouldn't it be great on a Tuesday night um to cook a nice meal m- my home and we we take it out to the streets and we we wow. eat together and we um have a meal together um and at that point in time um you know I started figuring out or realizing that there were other institutions doing similar things like U-turn, homeless ministries, other churches, um, started to inform myself about how to help in the right way and not in a, because I'd heard that there's a bad way to help and a good way to Mm -hmm. help. And so, um, we figured that a a meal would be a, a great way to just build trust and build that, that bridge to, to form those friendships. Um, we continued bringing us to church on a Sunday, um, Um, Can I tell a quick story about one of those moments? Um, um, A lot of the time, uh, the church was an amazing space, uh, a safe space to actually get some rest. So a lot of the time, Uh, guys would would just kind of be asleep for most most of the service. (laughs) Um, But there were a few occasions where um, there was... A bit of drinking involved before going to church, and I remember this one time where it was the World Cup 2010. Um, one of the preachers, I can't, I can't remember who was preaching.
1: Was it at Weinberg? Uh,
0: no, this was at this is before Weinberg even started. This oh, was at, Ro- at uh, Ronna Bosch AM. Um, and every time um, the preacher mentioned the World Cup, um, this one <laughs> this one woman called a Sweetness mm-hmm. would stand up and shout Brazil <laughs> um, every every time the (laughs) preacher mentioned the world cup and um we yeah it was it was refreshing in a way where we had someone who um kind of maybe used to go to church in a a very charismatic environment and was used to people kind of shouting and and here we in a very kind of conservative um common ground service where no one like even dares to like stand up and (laughs) clap or anything like that there's certainly no flags being waved or anything like that and and um it was this bit of a a a wake up or a bit of just a break from the norm which was refreshing um and we had other times where this old deer was snoring so loud that uh i had to um lift up her head with my hand (laughs) so that because every time she slouched down um she would snore and so i wanted to keep her like she could still more than welcome to carry on sleeping but I just needed to like um lift her head up so she wouldn't snore and there was these it was just this must have been a hilarious picture if you turned around me kind of propping up holding this, her head this, up <laughs> this kind of 70 year old homeless woman um to prevent her from snoring um and so yeah those are, lots of moments like that
1: yeah some of the funnier moments but that's also trying to integrate where you try to connect and build relationships with people and then bring them into a church community that's also a difficult thing it's a difficult uh, t- tell us a bit about how the church responded or or what were some of the difficulties in in those kind of moments
0: yeah the the, the honest truth is the church was uncomfortable with it the mm. church um the church i wouldn't say responded in a in a very welcoming and 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 it's difficult to separate the church as an institution and the church as a people people. Mm. and so therefore I would say um, the church as an institution had little idea what was going on because it was just people in the building whereas the the congregants around us struggled I think we Mm. had people who would be scared to approach Mm. guys who looked homeless there would be handbags that were picked up off the floor and put on the laps instead there would be um moments where um, we would get heads turning you know yeah. that type of thing and so there was like a there was you know something that was quite sad in a lot of ways in which the church should respond with open arms and with warmth and with kindness and in actual fact it was met with cold shoulders and with um, you know kind of silence and and, and so there are many ways which I felt this holy discontent and this mm-hmm. holy anger mm-hmm. like in many ways, I was quite angry with the church, and why, you know, why do we treat people like so differently, you know?
1: So let's dig a bit around that. You know, we've spoken a lot around often the the church is responding out of fear or feeling ill-equipped to cope in those moments. They aren't um, actually prepared to engage um, appropriately. So, what would you say is kind of more? of the theological roots, what, what, what is what is the problem with this thing of homelessness and people that are on the streets and aren't integrated in society as society would like them to be or would expect them to be. And there are uh, missed expectations on both sides. What, what would you say as a Christ follower is more of the underlying problems that we're actually dealing with?
0: I think uh, as a, as a kind of bedrock of our theology, the, the second commandment of loving your neighbor is is something that you know i think is isn't lived out in the way that we should and that god intended um and i think um when we think about loving our neighbor we think about hosting dinner parties and um you know um helping out a friend with a co- an extra coffee here and there and that sort of thing and it, it doesn't it doesn't look sacrificial and it doesn't look uncomfortable and i think when god intended to us when he commanded us to love our neighbor i think um he intended it to be sacrificial he intended it to be uncomfortable he intended it to not be this neat box that's wrapped up with a pretty bow bo- but a, but a mess you know ugly in some ways um and so i think um we as individuals have kind of um i think over the whether it's through bad theology or bad preaching or through um bad societal norms we've gotten used to this idea that loving your neighbor looks pretty and it Mm. looks and it looks easy and it looks um you know that you can have a lot of fun while doing it and in reality it's not reality it's it's difficult and it's hard and um we have to rely on god to love our neighbor Mm. because if we rely on ourselves loving our neighbors we 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 seem to mess it up a bit yeah i I mean and i I'm no different yeah, from, we're part from of that. other people. I, no, I mess sure. it up all the time.
1: So um, a little bit more, we've spoken about alienation or isolation. What does is, what is that meant to you and what you've seen and what you've experienced? Um, how is that playing into the problem? How people are excluded um, and isolated from life and options and and potential?
0: Yeah, I used to think that Um, homelessness could be fixed by sending someone to a shelter, by sending someone to a rehab, by giving, giving someone five Rand, you know, I used to be very ignorant on thinking that that would solve that person's homelessness. Mm. Um, and, um, it was a kind of, um, an acquaintance of mine that was in the field for a long time. Um, uh, Greg Day, Greg, um, Andrews, I think his name is, um, (laughs) very much an acquaintance, I guess. Um, he he kind of talked about, he had a a, a session, a talking session about, um, I don't know what you call it, but um, he in that he explained that actually alienation is the leading mm. cause for people staying on the street. Wow. Um, and it resonated with me, it actually made so much sense that like, in terms of people landing on the street, there are a thousand different ways someone mm. lands on the street. But the leading cause of someone staying on the street is that isolation from community, Um, is that um, people feel that it is a quick fix, that actual, let me just get you into a shelter, into rehab, and you'll be sorted. And actual fact, um, it it sometimes can work, but it seldomly does. And the times that it does work, it's because they've integrated into a community somewhere along the line. Mm. Um, And that's so essential um, for helping someone progress into independence mm-hmm. um, is to come alongside that person through thick and thin through relapses through bad decisions through um, you know w- is the same way that one would walk with uh, a brother or with a son or daughter you know um, in the sense of you know you, you're going to make bad decisions but I'm still going to be here and love you for it uh, in the yes. same way yes. and so that, that was the big difference I think the big shift in my thinking when it became a move from a very practical sense of trying to help into a a more relational sense of trying to help.
1: Yes and what does that look like Um, where where maybe in the past churches want to do something or groups of people want to do something and the the most likely option is something like a soup kitchen. How do we um, produce a whole lot of food and let people line up and we serving them by giving them a hot meal and that seems like such a good idea um but that completely eradicates that whole thing of what you're saying there's no actual building of relationship and it's very kind of one one directional service that's not necessarily addressing some of the the, the deeper issues. How have you discovered um, that sense of mutual transformation and maybe St Peter's community to know how has that been a different approach?
0: yeah um, and it's uh, I should say up front that it's 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 not a um, an obvious thing to spot when when you think about someone handing out food to someone who's hungry. Um, you know the the notion, the simple notion, is that that's a great thing and that's mm. that's not a bad thing at all. And I would still stick by that. I would still say giving s- someone who's hungry responding to a need is, is not necessarily not bad. A, bad not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I think if it ends there, um, you know, it's just not enough. It's like an incomplete picture. Um, right. And so therefore. Um, what St. Peter's kind of uh, taught me, um, St. Peter's had been going already for four years before I joined. Um, and what St. Peter's is, it, it's a community dinners project where, I mean, not even a project. Like, they hate calling it a project. It's a community dinner. That's a it. community dinner. It's a weekly. It's a weekly gathering room. where we have about 100 to 120 people come from, for a meal um, and sit around a table. And that's very important that there is table fellowship. Um it's important that, that um, and we're quite strict with our rules in a sense where we don't do, we don't do um, takeaways and that type of thing because the, the focus is not on the food, the focus mm. is on the community. And, right. and there's a backlash from both sides of the story. You have, you have homeless guys who are upset that they're not allowed to take away their food and, uh, and think and curse us and say, How can we call ourselves a church and that type of thing? um and then you have you know the other side the volunteers who come and they want to uh, they don't want to eat the meal because uh, maybe it's not to their liking and they um they don't see the value of actually sitting down and wow. eating. they just want to be there to help and to serve mm-hmm. and that type of thing and so you mm-hmm. have both sides which sometimes get it wrong and um need to be um you know mentored i guess um is a strong word but but mentored into into the, a different type of thinking right. um, and so um, over time we've experienced people from both sides um, of the coin the, some homeless guys who say I don't come here for the food I come here for the community I come here for the fellowship and we have guys who are coming to volunteer who say um, I don't come here to serve I come here to see my friends wow. I, okay. I, I come here to, to mm. engage with people that I know and that I love mm. um, and mm. I would say, um, yeah, th- there needs to be a, a sense of coaching, a very, mm. a very kind of um, loving sense of coaching. But people who want to come and do these like um, pop flash, you know, yes. serving opportunities yes. need to be coached into saying, actually, that's not what we're about. Mm. Uh, we're about long relationships, long friendships. We want you to. To uh, absolutely you can come try it out but uh, we want you to recognize very quickly that this isn't a single serving opportunity this is uh, this is a, um, a doorway to a long commitment you know right. um,
1: and i think that's often what where we as the church get it wrong as we we see ourselves as needing to live out the gospel and social justice moments are these moments tacked onto that where we kind of step out of our comfort zone and we do something good Um, Whereas actually what I'm realizing more and more is our lack of understanding of how much justice is a part of the gospel and actually living out the gospel in its entirety and in its breadth is changing the way we live and allowing ourselves to go on a discipleship journey. So it's very much about our own journey as well as the impact we could have in somebody else's journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's the beauty of the gospel is it, it, it does end up being a lot about what's happening in our own hearts. Can you tell us some of the stories of people that you've met along the way who've been discipled, like you've been discipled in this journey, specifically in homelessness, people that are involved in church who've had their hearts discipled?
0: Yeah, I think uh, there are plenty of examples of, um, I guess, also once again on, on both sides where where you have a volunteer who comes to try and has um, a bit of a savior mentality has a bit of a I'm going to come here and solve homelessness um, and the transformation that they go through moving from the sense of power to a sense of learning and vulnerability um, wow. um, is is amazing. And we see it all the time. I think when when the coin starts to drop um, on a Thursday night, you start to see. A different, a different kind of approach where mm. um, people open up more. They are more willing to be changed themselves and to be transformed themselves. They're more willing to give up their power, um, wow. which is which is a big thing um, when you when you're working with street guys. Is is we normally assume the power and the guy on the street assumes assumes, assumes he has the, none. that mm. he doesn't have any power mm. and and I think um, that. It's, it's amazing to see on a Thursday night those power dynamic dynamics shifting mm. um, And it's still, it's still it still needs work. Um, it's still we still are flawed and um, get it wrong all the time. but it's, it's great to see that side and then it's also great to see the other side where where we see disempowered um, um, people starting to realize that actually they have a lot of power, they have a voice, they have the ability to, to say you know, when they disagree with things. Um, and, and that's great too. And so we're seeing the shift on, in, in both sides and, mm. um, and it is becoming this more, this merged philosophy, this, um, less about us and them and more about, um, or less about you and me and more about us, you know, right. um, together in it. And, and that's, what's really refreshing. Um, and what I feel St. Peter's does really well, um, and it's obviously there's room for improvement, but it's, it's growing, mm. you know, um, as opposed to normal soup kitchens where um, you see the power dynamics in play that I'm the have and you the have not. Have not. And, and, and that's and not going to shift through the Yeah, it's not going to shift. And the cool thing is that we're seeing this community model spread mm. and we're seeing it happening now in OBS, um, F- uh, Ferdinando's Pizza, um, joining with St. Michael's Church to have their own community dinner Wow. Which, and they moved from a, from a street kind of handing out food thing into a community dinner now. And um, it's revolutionized their way of, of, of kind of doing things. And it's, wow. it's great to see that model being replicated and working.
1: Amazing. So tell us more about New Hope South Africa. So New Hope SA, what you started, what do you do and why do you do it?
0: So, we are a voluntary association. Um, We're made up of a board of um, 11 people. um, And and we help with funding towards getting people into shelters and rehabilitations and work opportunities, work employment.
1: And And is that it's quite a one on one? case by case, yes. trying to figure out exactly what that one individual needs. And so and getting every, them connected. every board
0: member is connected to one or two people right. um, and walks the journey with them from the streets right through to independence. Mm. Um, and because we function as a, as a board as a, as a whole, we make collective decisions on um, which shelters would best, Be best. serve that mm. person, which rehabilitations would best serve that person. Um, and it's, a, it's very much a community like effort, and, and we extend ourselves, excuse me, we try to extend ourselves beyond the board, um, right. to others who are volunteers, in the know, get um, and and we welcome any, I mean, sometimes you have volunteers who don't want to be part of the board, but still want to help, and right. that's, that's great too, and so we try and facilitate, as New Hope, this journey for individuals to walk a journey with someone who is destitute, um, with the guidance and experience of of new hope right, as a board you know, right and therefore it's very much about an individual's response and not a when when, when someone refers to oh can't new hope help we very much reply with like we can we can help you we can help you, you know, respond, we can help you mm. respond. And, beautiful and um yeah and so that's and and like if you need financial support in helping that person get into rehab and get into a shelter you know we can also try that but but our Obviously, funds are, very are limited. Yeah. Yes.
1: So, how can people find out more about what New Hope is doing and how can they get behind you? Tell us the website.
0: You can visit um, newhopeSA.org um, and you can, there's a wealth of knowledge on there about how rehabilitations work, about how shelters work. There are sign up forms to get involved um, in, in different aspects. Um, but it, it, I would say it mostly just is about informing yourself, knowledge is power, I guess, in that mm. sense, where if you can inform yourself about how shelters work, how rehabs work, what they cost, how to get someone in, you've won 90% of that battle. You've, right. you've equipped yourself with how to, you've empowered yourself, I guess, with how to respond. Mm. Um, and New Hope can be there to kind of answer questions and whatnot. And so if you've got any concerns or things you need to f- want, specific information about we have our email address on there, our, our phone number, which you can call or email and we will respond to you. Mm. Um, um, otherwise, come through to community dinners. You know, um, we're always looking for people to be committed long-term there. Um, we obviously are aware that someone comes once and they realize it's not for them. That's fine. But but we, we would like um, kind of ongoing commitment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and otherwise, just... Um, our biggest win is if someone can befriend and journey with a homeless person on their mm. own and, and we can be there to support you in it.
1: Amazing. So Richard, I I really want to honor you just as someone who over many years has just responded to God in a day-to-day lifestyle way and has actually ended up making a significant impact um, in individuals' lives, but also in mobilizing people around you to also respond I think you really have been a trailblazer for our community and want to just honor you for what that's meant to our church um, and to our city Um, if you were just to say one last thing to individuals out there that are listening um, to encourage them to take a next step and whatever the issue is in front of them what would that one thing be?
0: Um, It would be to do exactly what Jake did um, eight years ago and listen to that small voice, um, that prompt from God who, who, you know, be open to God's voice, be, be listening for God's voice, um, every hour of the day. And Mm. uh, um, God will speak to you in those moments where you'll be passing someone on the street. You'll be passing someone at the, at the traffic lights. Um, and God will speak to you in those moments. Um, and, and so, I would say, follow, follow your convictions, mm. you know, f- follow that, that small voice, um, that, that God is trying to speak to you. And, um, and, and then secondly, I would say, I don't know if I need to say one thing, but secondly, <laughs> um, is to just inform, be informed, um, mm. read up, go onto the New Hope website. We've tried to consolidate as much information as possible into, into reading material and, um, look at U-turn, um, they're a great organisation that's helping the homeless. They've also mm. got amazing resources on there. Um, read up about on the Haven websites about how Havens work, mm. um, um, and yeah, and then most importantly, just um, to 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 not ignore and um, distance mm. yourself from those living on the streets, to mm. engage and to befriend, and um, and to also know that it's going to be messy. It's mm. gonna. It's not going to be this like. Um, this very clean cut kind Mm. of process it's going to be messy and um and that's okay it's 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 really uh, i don't think jesus ever intended for us to have these very clean cut relationships like Mm. we um he you know he's there as the bedrock and we can just embrace the mess
1: yeah amazing okay we're running out of time but thank you so much for your time and for your stories and for just your expertise and being willing to share that with with us. Thank you and good luck with New Hope going forward.
0: Great, thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our channel, Living Social Justice on SoundCloud. You can also find more resources on our website, commongood.org.za including our Justice Journey courses, devotional content, and volunteer opportunities. Bye
1: for now.